All right. Test. It wasn't the Batman, was it? No, it was <laughs> not. Are you going to watch? Are you going to watch it again? Man, what is wrong with the Warriors? Magic Johnson has some choice words for the Lakers and more Ben Simmons news. Sort of. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA podcast. I have the three hooligans with me again. JJ, how you living, my friend? Eddie Jones or Nick Van Exel? Ooh, John. Oh, How you man, doing? I'm doing good. That's a great question. I'm going to go with Nick the Quick, Van Exel. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm going Eddie Jones all day long on this one. Oh, JJ, who you going with? Oh, man. I, th- I love both. I think recency bias because I saw his Team Jordan shoe, Eddie Jones. Ooh. Those were sick Okay, kicks. I'm going Eddie Jones, too. But anyway, we had some great matchups over the weekend, so we're going to start off with some quick hit news, and here we go. The Milky, uh, Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Phoenix Suns over the weekend with a 132-122 to win. Middleton, John, Chris Middleton went off for 44 points. 16 of those points were in the fourth. Had 8 rebounds, 5 assists, while shooting 16 for 27. The Bucks now are 14 for 12 for the past 26 games, and the Suns are about 500. So should the Suns worry? It's yet to be seen, but it doesn't look promising as we said before. Hopefully once D-Book comes back, they could stay afloat at the number one spot. Alright, and then the Sunday marquee game, Boston defeated the Nets 126-120. to 120. Tatum went off with 54 points in this game, and was the best player on the court, which is saying something in a game against Kevin Durant. Durant played well. He scored 37. Looks like he's been playing for months and not two to three games back from injury. So got to give the man his props for that. But he did not look happy at the end of the game. You could catch him on camera. He looked very frustrated. Brooklyn has now dropped 17 of 20, and they are in the nine seed. So the question, what do we think of the Nets at this point? It's hard to tell. And with the Celtics... 538 might call them the title contender. I don't know if I do, but they're now suddenly getting some buzz. <laughs> Burn. The Chicago Bulls are 1-14 against the top seven teams in the NBA. To me, that's, there's really no reason to be concerned, though, because they have been missing Caruso and Lonzo Ball, two of probably their best defenders on the team. They're elite, and they're able to stop the penetration and the point guards, the better the better players on the opposite team so to me not reason to be concerned they also have DeMar DeRozan who's putting up a an MVP caliber season so I do think the Bulls are a sneaky dark horse contender that people are kind of forgetting about and not really talking much about and you know Saturday's primetime game Lakers versus Warriors we have to talk about this I mean at the clinic here it's like you know, inner pod rivalry here. We have two Warriors fans. We have a Lakers fan and John. What? And, you know, these two teams, they went back and forth all night long in a very highly entertaining game where the Lakers eventually went went on top. 124 to 116, snapping a four-game losing streak. LeBron James was absolutely amazing with 56 points. What did you guys think of this game? As far as I'm concerned, the Lakers won the... NBA championship. <laughs> <laughs> the clinic championship. And, I'm, st- and I'm, st- I'm sticking with it. No, okay. It was, a, it was a great game. I think, obviously, my team came on top. 
the Warriors have been struggling, but overall it was just a fight back to back heavyweights. Well, not heavyweights because the Lakers are pretty bad, but they were throwing haymakers left and right. I, I remember one stretch in the fourth quarter where they were just throwing blows and making shot after shot from Austin Reeves to Curry to Clay to whoever you want to name. And it was just an amazing game. And obviously LeBron, the highlight of the night, putting up 56 points as a 37-year-old. It's the second highest points for someone that age other than Kobe Bryant in his final game. And granted, I am a huge Kobe fan, but let's be real. He was definitely striving to hit that mark and taking so many shots just to get there. So to me, this this performance by LeBron is crazy impressive. And that's coming from somebody who prefers Kobe over LeBron. It's just amazing what he's doing at this age. He, he played so well and he went so hard that he didn't play tonight against the Spurs because of knee soreness. That's how crazy he went. And that's a little bit concerning and we I don't want to go too far off tangent, but that just goes to show you what kind of weight he's carrying for this Laker team at his at an age um, that people would never expect someone at 37 years to do. On the on the Warriors side, it's a little concerning. I know Jay and Ro, you guys probably talk more about this, but they have lost I think eight of their last ten games, and they're struggling obviously without Draymond. Their clay is taking a lot longer to get incorporated. So I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts from the Warriors side, like. How do you feel about the game? Obviously, it was disappointing to lose, but any takeaways, any positives, negatives? What do you guys think? When I see LeBron play and he scores 56 points as a 37-year-old, you just got to give him props. He's that player that you don't want to see in the postseason. It doesn't matter if you're the eighth seed. It doesn't matter if you're the first seed. You do not want to face LeBron, and this was a prime example why. Yes, sir! When he's motivated, like how he is when he faces the Warriors, and I've seen him in person against the Warriors Game 7 back at 2016. Heartbreaking, but you cannot deny his excellence on the court. So, first of all, I just want to say props to LeBron and the Lakers. The Warriors, oh man, I don't even know where to begin accountability for all the players everyone is not playing well it's not just about the Draymond Green absence even though Draymond Green will remedy a lot of the issues on the offensive and defensive side but everyone needs to take accountability it's pretty bad on defense especially in the point of attack that they just let their man go by like past them and it's really frustrating Draymond Green awesome help defender but you guys have to remember that he commands everyone on the court and he makes everyone on the court responsible and they're held accountable he used to ride clay yell at clay all the time everyone knows about him yelling at durant and this year he even got into uh jordan Poole's face so on the defensive end Draymond is that person. Now what all the fans and sometimes me as a Warrior fan often forgets is that Draymond Green, even though his stats don't really show it, he's the quarterback, or not even the quarterback, I would say the center of the offensive scheme. And when I say center, I'm I'm using the analogy of football. The center calls the blitzes, he calls the plays, 
he tells the quarterback what to look out for in the blind spot and that's what Draymond does he guides Curry he tells the players where to go and right now it's it's not a coincidence that the Warriors are struggling but when he is on the court Draymond is the first Sammy as the outsider out of us four here what do you think of what John and I have said so we don't far? want Sammy's so, opinion <laughs> Moving right along. I'm uh, kidding. Go ahead, Sam. I'm just messing so, with you. So, enough's been said about LeBron's performance. That was absolutely incredible. But I think I want to go along more along the lines of Jay, what you were talking about, going on both sides, though. Uh, for the Lakers, obviously, Davis is out. But it says something about the state of the roster construction that LeBron put up 56 and they still barely won that game. I think that says mm. one thing Facts. against the non full strength Warriors team. Uh, again, Davis is out. I acknowledge that. But clearly that says how poorly the roster is constructed. And I know we've talked about that ad nauseum. But also in agreement with what you just said, Jay, that still tells me LeBron's not the dude I want to run into in the playoffs. I don't care how bad the rest of that team is. Larry Hughes was once, no disrespect, but was once the second best player <laughs> on the finals team because LeBron is that good. You can disrespect on him. Don't worry. He's solid. He just wasn't the second best player on the title team. <laughs> Uh, on the Warriors end, like you're saying, I think people know how good Draymond is, but don't really know how important he is to that team because it's always about shooting, right? Like when the, when you see your sports center highlights or whatever the case is, it's always about three balls and points and offense. And Draymond does all the stuff that doesn't go down on the score sheet. I mean, if I remember right, his averages for this year are something like eight, eight and seven. Not big numbers, but you don't understand unless you actually watch the game closely exactly what he does for that team offensively and defensively. And they've been exposed in that regard without him. And so for me, the other question that brings up is did the Warriors make a mistake at the deadline? Not adding size, not adding another potential playmaker. You're obviously not getting another Draymond. I'm not expecting that. But just someone else to fill in because now what it looks like is you've got a month left. I know Draymond's reported to come back in a week. But now you need him at 100%. And if the other thing is your backup big, besides him and Looney, looks like it's going to be Wiseman if you're lucky. And then you're mm -hmm. throwing this 21-year-old kid out there with not much experience coming back from injury. You're really going to give him playoff minutes? So that's another thing. Like there, There's a roster flaw potentially that could cost them big and I wonder if it's going to get exposed unless Draymond is back at 100% and can run 36 37 38 minutes in the playoffs when it counts so from pure entertainment it was a great game it was really fun to watch but I kind of saw it through that lens on on both ends so I'm, I'm very curious particularly with the Warriors to to see if they can get everything in line starting next week with Draymond back and and hit their stride between him and see if Clay can also find his stroke because Clay's trying to do too much too. That was the one other observation I took out of this. He's he's dribbling yes, a lot more sure. than I remember him at his peak. And that's a weird thing to say about a shooting guard. But I remember, I think there was the, the 10 three-pointers in a quarter a couple years back. And if I remember yeah. correctly, he had 11 dribbles in the whole quarter. Yes. And it just looks like he's trying to handle the ball a lot more right now. So just yes. curious to see all these pieces and how this evolves. Uh, with the the short time period we have left in the season. That is a great point. And first, I want to talk about LeBron James. I want to say, of course, the, the pod before he scores 56 points, we're on this pod and we're like, 
He's got lower back tightness. This is an old man injury. Not He's back. not gonna hit the switch. He he could only hit the switch for like a few minutes at a time, and then he comes out and he just completely annihilates the Warriors with 56 points. Like, what the heck, man? LeBron James continues to surprise us. Um, that should actually give some hope to the Laker fans because LeBron and AD together, we haven't seen a lot of that. If AD is healthy. What could they do in the playoffs when things slow down, where LeBron could be a lot more calculated? There's a lot of rest involved in the playoffs, too. So, you never know what you're going to get. Now, with the Warriors, what worries me is that there's no identity anymore. The Warriors, you knew exactly what they're going to do. Right now, they look lost. They look absolutely lost. And one of the key things that I was going to bring up is what Sammy brought up. Why is Clay dribbling so much? And I think it's because the offense, it's like... It gets stagnant, so he tries to do something he usually doesn't do, right? And he starts jacking up shots that don't look right. Wiggins. Wiggins doesn't go in the low block anymore. He's just jacking up threes, and we all know that's the shot you want him to take. Why isn't, why isn't he going into the block? I don't know if this is something that Draymond is going to fix, you know, because he, he does make this engine go. I don't know if Andre Iguodala helps that too. Because if it wasn't Draymond that was running the ball up, a lot of the times it'd be Andre Iguodala. So... Can I ask you guys a question? Excuse me! Sure. What are your thoughts on, and because of his resume and what he's done for the team, how much responsibility do you put on Steve Kerr? I think right now, with the given rotations, it's difficult to manage... 15 players and their minutes and when we were 20 and 2 we were considered the deepest bench in the league but the problem with our current roster construction as Sammy said is that Bob Myers put this team together as Voltron meaning that all of the pieces need to work together in order for it to be efficient you guys see what I mean where in opposed to, for example, the Spurs and when they had their championship run, if one person was out, you could plug and play them. Which the Warriors, it's no secret that Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, they want to uh, put the Warriors in the same league as the Spurs. So when I think about the roster construction, there are flaws. Like we are missing a big and length. And we're hoping that when Draymond comes in, we could play small ball. But the rotations have been... I don't like the rotations. Like, Chioza and Belizia should not be playing at the same time. Right. And I feel like... I, I, I know... I know... Clay hasn't played in two years. He was ready to come back in December. They kept pushing it back, pushing it back till he got into conditioning um, game speed but I feel that even though he's an all-star and all-pro just let him come off the bench man in December now Clay is rushing his shots and trying to get his group back because around the corners playoffs he even said that that he wants to get back into the groove of shooting and I can't blame him but it's his shot selection it's taking too many dribbles I don't mind him missing with spot up threes in 
within the flow of the game. But when you're like dribbling, trying to go off one leg, shooting over LeBron James, it's bad. And no one's not really noting his defensive efforts either. Like, Clay was an all-defensive player. And granted that it's LeBron James and Westbrook, they were hunting him down Saturday night. No, for sure. And But yeah, I guess I yeah. you could counter that. With anyone guarding LeBron, you're screwed, though, right? No, you're. Yeah. Boy, guess, that's, that's well, they true. wouldn't have hunted him in the past. Yeah, they would. No, no, that's yeah, the they would have hunted yeah, him for in the sure. past. Yeah, Clay looks a step slower, and it's not really expected. Unexpected. I just, right. you know, mm-hmm. two years is a long time, and I think people, because he came back and he started performing, and he had that blow, he blew up in, against the previous Laker game where he's dropped, I don't know, 15 or 18 in the fourth quarter. You see glimpses of it, but I think it's really unfair to, to expect him to be the old Clay. And True. honestly, even after an yeah. extended period of time, you may not even see that. He had an Achilles and an ACL injury, two of the worst leg injuries in probably in any sport. And in basketball, when you're jumping all the yep. time, that's come on. We just got to. I think we got to be more. We got to look at the picture, a bigger picture of, about it. And an, another thing about like our depth, like JJ was saying. I don't think I remember a team that was trying to simultaneously win a championship and also groom young players like Kaminga and Wiseman and Jordan Poole. I can't recall one. And if you think about it, I think if they're not playing really, really well, those are some valuable pieces that we could have got for some better bench depth. But, I mean, we're all saying this in all hypothetical because, I mean, playoffs are right around the corner. We do, like, the Calvary is coming for the Warriors. So we'll see what happens there. I'm going to move us on to our next topic. Hold up. Hoops fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and up, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for the full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Magic Johnson had some big things to say about, about the Lakers. He basically said Mm -hmm. that the Westbrook trade could go down as the worst trade in Laker history if they don't get out of the play-in game qualifier. What do you guys think of Magic Johnson's statement? All right, I'll start this off. I was waiting to see if John would want to. Um, (laughs) No. No. So this is a big statement to me in a lot of ways, which is obviously saying it's the worst trade in Laker history says enough on its own but the just connecting the dots on this Jeannie Buss has put it out there that she still speaks to Magic about stuff regarding the team all the time she values his opinion 
in terms of the dynamic. The Laker dynamic in terms of the behind the scenes is is very unusual relative to other teams. It's much more connected to the past uh, than other teams are. And so the fact that he's coming out saying this when it's out there, how close he is to Genie, I think that speaks volumes. I don't disagree with him. I, I mean, in hindsight, obviously the Dwight Howard trade didn't go down that well either, but this mm. one is probably worse. And Westbrook's going back and forth now with reporters. He's being very standoffish like he was in OKC, but there's a bigger spotlight because it's the Lakers. And so now it's getting exposed. And so just it's it's big in a lot of ways. And it just kind of parlays the fact that unfortunately for the Lakers, they're making headlines for all the wrong reasons outside of LeBron's performance a couple nights ago. So I, I do not see a world where he can stay there next year. I just, there's no way. I don't care what they have to trade to get rid of him. It, it's just clear that no one is happy. Bonafide yeah. scrub. Yeah, and they, they even talked about actually just stretching his contract, waving him and stretching out his contract, which is, wow. yeah. I, I mean, talk about desperation, right? If they can't find any trade partners. But back to what Magic Johnson said. I would agree that it's one of the worst, but in my eyes, and I know their hand was kind of forced, but trading Shaq for Karan Butler, Lamar Odom, and Brian Grant, given Shaq's dominance and the kind of player he is, top 10 of all time. So to me, that was probably the worst trade. But in terms of expectations, this is up there. When you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and... Westbrook, who is supposed to be a 70, top 75 player, which I think a lot of us have differing opinions on, but, you know, to not even make the playoffs with a team like that, injuries, you know, albeit injuries, whatever, those, are, those, those happen in the season to any team, so those can't be an excuse. But we are, I think, eight games under 500, and we have three top 75 players, one who is arguably the greatest player of our, all time. So to me, it's like, man, it's up there for sure. So Magic Johnson is not far off. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to clarify one thing with you, John. How much is Westbrook getting paid this year? It's like $44 million, right? Oh, man. Uh, like $44, believe so. $45? It's, yeah. So if it's $44, yeah. he, $45 million. He blocked million, that out of, out of his memory. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that I bring that up is, you know, in terms of business, there has to be an exchange of goods and services, right? That's your basic definition of of a business deal. Right. And is Westbrook worth the trade in terms of not only the pieces that you gave up with KCP, your other boy... <laughs> <laughs> in Washington and Kuzma and Montrez, right? But the the contract as well, man, like forty four million, is he is he performing at that level? And I'm I think all of us would agree no and you can't deny Magic Johnson's like undying love for the Lakers. And I I've read the feedback from the Laker fans like Magic, you're a bad GM you had some bad deals, like not resigning um, Randall, letting Brooke Lopez leave. But you know what? You can't deny Magic Johnson loves the Lakers and he wants them to win. Um, 
Yeah, no, the val- the value is definitely not you know? there at all. I mean, you could look at one player, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, and you could probably compare the stats, and they're probably relatively close. My con- my my issue is that Westbrook is not a winning player, and I I don't think that's mm-hmm. can be that can be argued anymore. He's just not. You I mean you you play with LeBron James, you play with Kevin Durant, you even play with James Harden, and you just really couldn't get anything done. He's not a player that despite all the stats and the triple doubles he doesn't do winning things on the basketball court whether that's making the right plays making the right pass knowing when to shoot knowing when not to shoot which is probably his worst attribute and it's just not that's who he is and i think that we need to stop sugarcoating it and just saying you know westbrook is going to put up the stats be the leader in triple doubles of all time but he's not going to be a winning player and I don't think he'll ever win a championship. Oh. So, I know you asked me and Jun a question. Uh Jun, can you as the host like tell our listeners what Westbrook said to a reporter on Friday about expectations as a player? He basically said he had no expectations. He said Nice. See, that's why you don't know what I envisioned. What? I come into every situation the same. The last four years, I've been on different teams four times. So my envision of kind of thinking everything's going to be peaches and cream. And that's not realistic. That's not life. I mean, how do you get sent to the Lakers, a storied franchise, and not think about the expectations that come with it? Right, it's it's one of the greatest franchise in NBA. It might be the greatest in NBA Talk history, right next to the Celtics or however you want to rank them. And it just seems pretty, pretty deaf, you know, to say something like that. I I don't know if he was just yeah. frustrated with the question or what. It just didn't seem right. But I, what I really wanted to bring up was actually James Worthy. He he think he knows how to fix Westbrook basically. He said he knows he's vital to the team and he knows his performance is not what he'd like it to be. I personally don't see Russ. I personally don't like to see Russ with zero turnovers. I like to see him with at least three or four, maybe. That means he's aggressive in aggressive style play and he's in that mode. He's productive. What do you guys think of James Worthy, Worthy's analysis of like Russell Westbrook? Here's the problem <laughs> I have with that statement. The problem I have with it goes back to roster construction. If if Westbrook has three or four turnovers, I get where he's coming from, but that also means that the ball is coming out of LeBron's hands as the primary ball handler. So, you tell me, who do you who would you rather have leading the offense, Westbrook or LeBron? Just period. I just go back to that. Is I get where Worthy's coming from, but I feel like he's looking at it in a vacuum of what would make Westbrook the best possible player for himself but not mm-hmm. necessarily the best player for this particular Laker team. So I I think, and I'm sure Vogel's done this already, but then that means you just stagger LeBron and Westbrook's minutes, I guess, and try to make sure one is on the court at all times and they don't over-duplicate that much. I, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good answer here. Clearly the Lakers don't either with how this has gone. I don't agree with it because turnovers are just they're extra possessions for the opposing team. And those are critical, obviously in the regular season, but even more so in the playoffs if we make it. And we may not even make it there. But 
I agree. I mean, I think Westbrook should be aggressive, but to say that it's okay with getting three or four turnovers, you can be aggressive and not get turnovers. There are a lot of players in the NBA who do that. It's called having basketball IQ, knowing when to make the right reads, knowing to make the right play, knowing when to pass or to hold back or continue to dribble. It's just Westbrook. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know how to pull back. It's always 100% go, 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 and that's his issue. So I, I think it's pretty funny, and I just came to this realization that when people think of Russ, they think he gives 100%. He has full energy, and he's aggressive. You know what I just realized over the weekend? No, he's not. That's false advertisement. He's aggressive when he drives it to the rack. But he's not aggressive when he's when he doesn't have the ball. I don't see him setting screens. I don't see him moving in motion. On defense, I don't see him aggressive off ball. I don't see him playing crazy D with the best player. Am I tripping or do you guys see that? Yeah, he gives 100% when it's something he wants to do. He wants to do it. And, and that's score the basketball. Yeah. I, I have a real quick, I know that we're kind of running over time a little bit, but I did want to ask you guys question well i wanted to make a point and i want to get your thoughts on it real quick i was having a conversation with a buddy of mine who's also a laker fan and i i expressed my frustration and i said to him i said westbrook is known as a 100 percent give it his all hardworking player when he's on the court and i don't think anybody would deny that obviously there's a fault to that but if he's such a hard worker how come he has not improved his jump shot since the beginning of the year Right? I mean, there, and people would make an argument against me saying, you know, there are a lot of guys that don't improve their shot. Uh, I can make a lot of cases. Rondo improved his shot. Derek Rose improved his shot. DeAndre Jordan became a good free throw shooter over time. I think if you work hard enough at it, you can do that. And to me, that he's been in the league for what, 15 years? I don't know how long. And he has not shown significant improvement in his jump shot. Shows to me that. He works hard on the court, but when he's off the court, he's more interested in other things like his social media, his fashion. What do you guys think about that? That's gospel, dude. Huh? <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. I said that's gospel. Like, Jordan and Kobe, if we're talking about the greats, they were truly athletic freaks. And they shifted and adapted to their, their game. They had a post game. They knew how to play uh, without the ball. And Westbrook, like you were saying, John, he hasn't really improved much. Like, you can't have the same skill sets when you're 24 and 10 years later as a 34-year-old think that that's still going to play in today's game or as a 34-year-old. It's not going to happen. You need to adapt. I was saying he sounds like Ben Simmons. Just based on what you're describing. <laughs> like you said, hasn't improved his shot. That's the first thing that came to my head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- there's definitely, like, an issue there with Russ Westbrook. And I think he he has tricked a lot of people into thinking he's a hard worker. Like, you, you see, like, the triple-double averages, and you're like, this guy's amazing, right? And then, like, you put him on the floor with other superstars, and he has to learn to adapt. I don't think that I think that's the problem is that he, he doesn't know how to adapt to, to other superstars, right? When he's the only one and his next best person is like Dennis Schroeder on OKC, he does amazing, right? 
All right, for our next topic here, Ben Simmons will not play in the Nets matchup versus the 76ers this Thursday. I have to ask the question, okay? A lot of people are speculating. Is Ben Simmons really healthy? Or is he really injured? And if he is healthy, should he play in this game? What do you guys think? Yes. I don't know what I said yes to. But what I was trying to say was <laughs> Ben Simmons, uh, I think he's healthy enough to play. I'll, I'll say that. But I think there's a little bit of a lingering injury where you could be cautious. And I think it's clear that he doesn't want to make his return to Philadelphia where he was completely ostracized and criticized and clowned on repeatedly for his performance in the playoffs and his inability to show up and be there for the team. So I think it just mentally, it would just be too much for him. So I think that plays a large part in it. But yes, I do think he's healthy enough to play. I will say that I also think he's healthy enough to play. I think though, the one other thing to look at with him, and I know there's been a back and forth debate about the mental health issues going back to the start of the season, of course. The one thing I'll say to to back up that clearly something was going on is you don't play like he did in game seven against the Hawks unless something was already in your head, right? Like something right. was already, there was an issue, clearly. You don't pass up a wide open dunk unless you're thrown off. And I don't know if all of you read that story that came out a few months back about his thought process going to that game. I believe there was a rumor that he was intentionally trying to catch COVID so he wouldn't have to play in that game. What? Ramona Shelbourne read the article. So this is an ESPN article. What? Go back and check it out if you guys haven't seen it. And what? This is, I'm interpreting it. So no one out there, please don't assume yeah, that I'm aggregates. going word for word, but check out the article <laughs> if you haven't seen it. But he was in his head, like wildly in his head before that game. So clearly there's still a struggle. So in one regard, since he hasn't played yet, I get it. He doesn't want to play there now as the first game. But there's a really good shot that that could be a first-round matchup. And it's the regular season. I know he's going to get booed out of the building. He's going to get mocked. I, I get that. And I get that there's probably some fear of that. How much worse is it going to be if they're there potentially four times in two weeks? Especially if they get near the end of the game and he's in. And at 50% free throw shooting, it's going to make sense to start intentionally fouling him. And he's sitting there, and the fans are digging in. Isn't that going to be 10 times worse? So, yeah, I know I know he's struggling, but I, if he's healthy enough, I really think it was just time to rip the band-aid off and go. I know that I'm sometimes too critical because I compare players to the greats, but that's how I understand life like you always have to compare yourself to the to to the great so you could become great yourself and when i think about when players return to their old teams like when lebron came to cleveland as a member of the heat and people were just saying super crazy things to him lebron went off when katie came back to okc with the warriors what happened he went off and even yapped at Westbrook. It's it's kind of that alpha mentality that Ben Simmons should have. Like you're supposed to be this great basketball player that only a few years ago people were considering you like a fourth or even fifth place candidate for MVP. And why not play? 
rip the band-aid off like what you guys said this is your time to shine and how worse can it get like what sammy said how worse can it get the only way to get those nerves out of your system and prove it to yourself is play the game yeah and it's around the corner i agree and i almost think that his his going to the game it, it it's rumored that he's gonna fly there right he's flying to the game he's gonna be to there. sit on the bench yeah i think that's a big cop-out man like you're just gonna feel the hate from the bench but you're not gonna play in the game just go in the game see what it's like if kobe bryant okay for some reason left the lakers and like for some reason he was booed out right he would mark on his calendar i am going to be healthy as i can be for this laker matchup because i want to show everyone what's up ben simmons isn't doing that i don't know this is all speculation by the way guys because he's quote unquote injured yeah and i just want to correct one thing i said so he wasn't intentionally trying to catch COVID. he told the team that he had potential exposure to try to get out of the game that's the report oh boy Hold up. so he was so he's making an excuse yeah so he had said <laughs> he had said that he had potential exposure to a team masseuse who had returned an inconclusive test before that game and there was suspicion that he was lying about it because he didn't want to play the game oh my goodness well on, on that note that is all we have for tonight's pod i want to thank you three for being on jj thanks for being on man thank you everybody john thanks for being on Thank you. Have a good night. Sammy, thank you. Thanks, and thank you, everyone, always for listening. We appreciate it. You want to plug Diagnosing the Lines real quick? Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to look into something this week, and we're going to focus on MVP odds. Right now, Embiid is the favorite at minus 120, but I will give you my humble opinion as to why I would not pick him with your MVP bets and your money. And uh, we'll get into that later this week. I like it, man. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.